can you can you help me with a professional quandary? Yep, yep. That's what we're here for. So long as it's a professional one, I wouldn't want anything unprofessional. On uh, this podcast, never. Absolutely, you two are... You two are consumer professionals. I'm a professional at consummation. <laughs> oh! <laughs> Fucking... Yeah, it's about sex, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Excellent. <laughs> um, right, here's my... Here's my dilemma, my 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 um quandary for you. You got two people, right? Mm-hmm. You got one person who's literally just existing and doing nothing else, right? Yeah, yeah, sure. Then you've got one guy, right? <laughs> yeah, who takes a wrestling booking. <laughs> yeah, officiates it, agrees to it, promotes it. Let's that go on for weeks, then bails out because he doesn't like the other one's mere existence. Which one's the asshole? Because according to a bunch of wrestling fans, it's the first one. The first one was the person who's just existing. Just pottering around, having amazing tits. I have my problems with just existing generally, but I limit that to myself, not anybody else. If anybody else wants to exist, that's, uh, you know, that's on them. But, yeah, no, that's some fucking bullshit. It's incredible. So, listeners of last week's podcast will know, because I I talked about it there, the much-anticipated match in February for Sovereign Pro Wrestling, myself and Shreddy and Scotty Too Hotty, uh, isn't happening. It's just myself versus Shreddy now because Scotty Too Hotty pulled out. He already deleted his Twitter account because he was talking about how he won't fight women. The, the internet was already turning on him a bit. Yeah, I don't know how much of that was about me, but, you know, it was sometime after that that he contacted the promoter and said, oh... Steph's done this tweet about being an intergender wrestler and having slams that know no gender. And apparently, like, that was his pretext for pulling out. That was his excuse, was he didn't like that. Yeah. So he, he didn't like a trans person being outspoken about their gender. He would later change that to saying um, he didn't like my stuff because he doesn't do funny stuff, which... He's a comedy wrestler. Like, the worm is his big move, a breakdancing move. He was known in WWE for doing, like, like a white boy um, hip-hop kind of gimmick. Like, his whole career is built on funny. He's very, very serious. It's very serious. There were a couple of different tweets from SovPro that were promoting uh, that match and him being there. One of them was just a tweet just about him that sent it on the worm as a thing. And yeah. that is just the whole tweet. Hey, it's the guy who does the worm. Come see him do the worm. The whole match was sold to me as, like, funny. It was like, you're funny. Shred is funny. Yeah. We'll put Scotty in there. It's going to be hilarious. So I'm like, yeah, probably will. Uh, so anyway, you know, I don't buy it because obviously when someone starts changing their excuses... It's never a sign that they're they're doing anything in good faith. But anyway, it was finally announced that he's not going to be at the show. And I, you know, I said, like, I'm not covering for his ass. There will be questions and I will answer them honestly. All I've said was that this ain't happening and I explained why. And I have for the past several days just been swamped by, like, transphobes, obviously. Certainly. 
trying to hide it because they, they they're so bad at it like they still have to put things in like oh well scotty too hot he isn't enabling mental illness or yeah it's not his fault he's just got a belief system that means he's not going to agree with you pretending to be a female shit like that where it's like they start off trying to be like oh well you know it's just opinions and beliefs by the way you're a dirty tranner like it's you try and at least be subtle gang come on yeah as someone who's who's been in the game for a long time, yeah, subtlety is not these kind of people's uh, expertise. Yeah, it's insulting to all of us that you even try when you can't even manage to hide it in in the same paragraph. Um, then you've got people who will they're fans of his and will come up with anything to to defend him. Some of them are just wrestling fans, TM, who for another reason I found out are equally as vicious as gamers tm like oh god in yeah. terms of being assholes like yeah i never i've been accused so really much. how did you miss that uh, I, well i know but this is my first first hand experience from the outside knowing nothing i'm gonna guess that this is another community that's basically gone our hobby wasn't mainstream accepted and therefore i've got a complex about my my hobby is my identity. It's one of those. Yeah, but they also have like 30 years of being angry at the business being revealed. So add that. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's been misconstrued in some cases that I'm trying to force him to wrestle me, which no, the moment you reveal you don't want to be there, I don't want you to be there. Well, yeah, that's not going to make for a good performance anyway. It's It's yeah. all about collaboration and if one person doesn't want to be there then then it's not going to work but i can usually understand why a fan base is mad at me and there have been three other instances in the past two weeks why a fan base has been <laughs> mad at me and i can at least empathize enough to see what they latched onto to be angry about yeah this one i mean i understand that there's bigotry involved but when you actually look at the situation, it's baffling that anybody's behaving as if I'm the baddie, as, as if I'm the asshole. Because if you remove the, the element that he doesn't want to work with a marginalised person, which, let's face it, is the only reason anyone's pretending that, that he's in the right here. If you removed that, what have we got? We've got a guy who accepted a booking, agreed to a match, advertised that match, then changed his mind after weeks of promotion, pulled out, letting down the other performers, the promotion, and the audience. But I think you're falling into sort of the same trap a lot of us did, myself included, during Gamergate, where we think the problem is that they don't understand the business, you know, or the professional aspect of it, when it's, in fact, they just don't care. Yeah. They just want to be able to be angry at something. And I think I think that the gatekeepy stuff in wrestling is a real significant aspect of it. Like, I, I'm sure a lot there's a lot of straight-up bigotry, but I, I, I suspect that there's an equal amount that's justed for by not wanting their wrestling to be different from the wrestling that they know. Well, I mean, that was the other instance I've been dealing with yeah. with wrestling fans. <laughs> the clip of my... Um, <laughs> the clip of Commander Sterling being hypnotised by Freaky Felicia. Did the rounds on Facebook and reach the wider uh, internet wrestling community? It's a good bit! And, and the, the comments at the bottom of that video are now horrifying with a capital H. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of people that, that, you know, 
they hate that comedy stuff because they they listen to Jim Cornette and they're very much you know I I hate the business being exposed it should look like the UFC even though like the UFC is the UFC go watch the UFC if you want the UFC yeah yeah like I I got into wrestling because a seven foot tall man made the ring posts explode they don't do that in UFC it, again it's the same as the fucking argument about video games it's a bunch of people going. I feel like the fact that I like this thing makes me special and unique, and I don't like the thought of it expanding to appeal to more people and to cater to more people, because I can't just ignore the stuff that's not for me. I have to make sure that doesn't exist, because if if you make something that more people enjoy, then it's not just for me anymore. I feel like the very existence of some alternative to what I am enjoying diminishes or puts at risk the thing that I enjoy. Yeah. What if people end up liking the other thing more and I get less of what I like? And... And it's just that's just not how it works, because if if you like the thing enough that it's popular enough to have, like, cemented itself in the culture, it's not going anywhere. It's just not. You're fine. Don't worry about it. You're still going to get your fucking video games. You're still going to get your boring ass broadcast wrestling. Have fun. They don't know how. They don't know how. <laughs> like, I mean, they're getting their kicks by whining on the internet and attacking people and, and, li- and lying. Yeah. Like people who are not involved in this situation at all, posting with utter confidence things like Scotty never agreed to the match. It wasn't officially announced. And, and like, no. Oh yeah, I I was your internet sleuth on that. Yeah. Like, despite Scotty's Twitter being deleted, I was like, I'm gonna find evidence that he was tweeting about the match after it was announced. I'll find it. It's out there. Yeah. Like we've got receipts. Yeah. Like another person was like tried to minimize it by saying, Oh, he probably agreed through no, not even probably, no, he agreed through an agent. And like, sorry, first name bunch of numbers. Like like what's your source on that? Once the card was already publicly announced, he dedicated the match to someone's mum. Yeah. Like, that's not through an agent. He de- no. d- he was like, yes, I'm doing the match and I'm doing it for you. But at the end of the day, like, no matter what lies you want to come up with, no matter how much you want to side with him because I'm trans or because I do comedy wrestling or because I'm just Sterling and you don't like that. At the end of the day, I'm a professional wrestler and I take the professional part seriously. No, I don't take all of wrestling 100% seriously, but I'm a professional when it comes to the business and professional means I take bookings, honor those bookings, set my boundaries before anything's finalized. And I at least, I at least look at the fucking Twitter bio of who I'm wrestling. I don't just say yes to a booking because I don't fucking care. And then weasel out of it when I find out that the opponents aren't to my uh, specifications. At least have enough professional fucking care about your work to know who you're working with before you say yes. Don't don't be a fucking hack about it. And I, I can see how you you work in this business for as long as Scotty Too Hardy has, and that shit slips, right? You don't think you have to do it, but you do. And and being having had a career for years and years does not make up for a need for professionalism yeah yeah and i don't care if you used to be part of the the attitude era or not right yeah you're not better than me 
You're just, you're not. Like, you might think I'm beneath you, and if that's your reason why you never want to work with me, that's valid, but don't be so careless. Don't don't be so apathetic as to say yes without knowing who you're going in a ring with. Don't do that. Yep. Yep. And, and maybe, I would hope, that at least that is a lesson that could be taken away from this. Because I don't really give a fuck if you don't want to wrestle me because you think I am too comedic, you think my gender makes you too uncomfortable. If you don't want to wrestle me, I don't want you there. The biggest problem I have is with you saying yes and then changing your mind because you, you cared so little about the job that you didn't know who you were agreeing to work with. Fuck off. Yeah. So anyway. Anyway, well, welcome to Podquisition. It's... Oh, I'm not done. Oh. No? No, you're not done? No, I'll just briefly just point out that that's been part of two weeks of hell. It has been a knock-on of, of Sonic fans, Dark Souls fans, and two different angry sets of wrestling fans for two weeks. And I got a cold last night and over a period of hours just felt myself go from slightly woozy to all my joints ache and my throat is on fire and now I can't move. And it's a miracle I'm actually propped up enough to do this. Well, see, this is why I was going to move us on to the video gamey bit so we can get your game set and get you out the door so you can have a nice nap. Well, just to (laughs) explain to the the listeners, I'm not going to be around for the whole thing. It's been very stressful. This is one of them things where any single one of these angry fan bases, I can easily handle. Four at once. That tests my limits, I'll say that. Well, it's, it's, it's you know, it's like when Spider-Man had to fight the Sinister Six, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I've had to deal with the Sinister Pricks, and, <laughs> and now I need a little sleepy. Uh, but yes, video games, I feel so ill. Well, that's, that's all right. Tell us about the video games you've played and then go back to bed. Okay, okay. What you played? Uh, well, I played more Pokemon. Uh, my review's up, and I'm still pootling around in it because it's. It might be the game I've scored the lowest, but played the most, and enjoyed the most in terms of games I've scored really low. Because it's one of them things where, like, I sometimes have an idea for what I'll score a game in my head before I write the review, but I won't truly know until I've written it because that codifies my thoughts, brings everything into perspective, and allows me to truly sort of reflect my tone back at myself. Um, So yeah, you know, funnily enough, I was worried about that review, but in terms of all the angry fan bases and communities that, that I've crossed paths with, the Pokemon ones have been sweet as punch. They've just been, you know what? Fair enough. Yeah, look, as someone that is in the, like, I really am fucking loving this game camp, yeah, no, your review is entirely earned, and I'm glad that, like, I feel like the consensus among the Pokemon fan base is there's a lot of people loving this, but they're not loving it because it's a great game. Yeah. And I think I think they generally acknowledge that. I wonder if there is something about the very general broad appeal of Pokemon such that people start with it at a fairly young age, um, but they might tune out of it in their, like... Angry years? Angry (laughs) years, and either come back to it, or the people who stick with it maybe just aren't that angry. As someone that's been, like, following critical consensus around this Pokemon game a fair bit since I put my review up, the thing that I think's really interesting about it is... In, in any fan base, the people you would expect to be the vocal angry lot are the 
dedicated, serious, hardcore, competitive end of players. Right. And the thing with that in this game is that, A, there is actually a surprising amount that's being done right for them, and they're just happy having a bunch of that to dig into, and they're too busy doing that and getting their teeth stuck in to be complaining on the internet. And I think even those lot are like, yeah, I'm having a great time. I recognize that everything around this <laughs> is bad, but I'm having too much fun with the numbers they gave me, so it's like I'm I'm not gonna start fights online. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a fun game to potter around in. It's still yeah, like, you know, especially at the moment where I'm like trying not to do a, a lot. Try trying to keep keep off the internet for a bit. Um trying to keep my, my mind occupied. It's still good to just have it's not a good game. It's not a good game, but it is a perfectly um, sufficient distraction. I do have to tell you one news story about this very quickly uh-huh. while you're here, because this is the only... Look, I've been able to like overlook and go past every issue with this game, other than one that is unforgivable and it needs to be fixed instantly. Online matchmaking. Currently, there's only casual. There's not ranked yet. Ranks due in in a couple of days. The RNG for online competitive fights, it's not random, it's not RNG. There is one seed being used for all the matches, which means that you can work out methodically what to do to make your uh, very low chance of hitting but always get to one-hit KO moves to hit every time, because you use them at a certain point in the RNG seed. So that's the one I'll look at and go, yeah, no, that is actually like legitimately a problem. That's amazing. That's am- that's the uh, best. That's the best thing I've heard. So fingers crossed they get that fixed before ranked matchmaking starts. I hope they never fix it. That's brilliant. Yeah, yeah it's. I was really annoyed last night though. Yeah. Yeah. I saw a raid. The Rat Monkey. The Rat Monkey. Yeah, I forget if it was Dragon or Steel Terror type like raid. Yeah. I was like, that's neat. I want that. And I. Hadn't my, my Nintendo Online had um, expired, mm. so I quickly just sort of popped onto the store and and re-upped it and went back. And the moment I got online, I walked towards it and it disappeared. It, it shrunk and disappeared, and I've never seen a raid do that before. Uh, another one that had been around for longer stuck around for longer. This one just disappeared. It seemed like such a fuck you. Were you playing at about midnight? No. No, it would be sometime early evening, I think. Okay, I cannot explain that then. I know that at midnight they change over the raids yeah. and they'll vanish and new ones appear, but... It was just there, and it was it was almost... It felt like bait. It felt like the game had trolled me. It's the main reason I put it down as a list of games I played this week, even though I said mostly what, I've, what I needed to say about it last week. I'm like, I've got to talk about this. Ah... <sighs> Well, I'm sorry it did that to you. It was a raid I really wanted because I like the rat horrible... Well, I hate and love the rat monkey at the same time. Grafai-rai. Grafai-ai. Grafai-ai. With its little drippy paint fingers. Those fingers are so long. They are unsettlingly long. Uh, They've been doing things to get that gloopy. Big bug eyes. It's just... It looks like the rat monkey from Braindead. Like, it's just (laughs) the grossest... Weirdly adorable, but also, like, it, I wouldn't want to touch it. Like, I feel like my hands would get sticky if I touched it. This gen has had a couple of good, gr- gross but kind of endearing Pokemon. 
And you've got that. You've got the two-headed, just angry, boggling-esque peppers. Oh, those fucking gross things. Yeah. Yeah, I love them. I love my angry peppers. It's still the thing I would praise the most with this game is um, not since Gen 1 have I seen this many Pokemon that appeal to me. Hmm. Um, I really like the the rat monkey. I like Flamingo. It's just a Flamingo, but people don't consider that it's just a Flamingo. That's what makes it good. But it's it's your friend as well, though. It's your Amigo. Right? Your Flamingo Amigo. Such a brilliant name. I love I loved it because when I was streaming it the other day, like people in chat were like, that is such a lazy name. They just took the N out. And then I was like, ah, but consider. And then they were like, oh, shit. That is secretly clever. Um, I love that. I think my I think I've settled on my favorite of the new ones being Espathra. Oh yes, the Cleopatra cosplaying ostrich. Mm-hmm. Just a really neat sort of look to it. Um, just looks really oh. very pretty design. I enjoy, it. and I like psychic types anyway, so I really do enjoy that one. I got my shiny one of them. I know. Last night I was very excited. Yeah, I haven't seen any shinies, although from the looks of it i wouldn't even know if i did because they made it really hard to tell again didn't they yeah they did Pricks. yeah they did go watch accessibility that went yeah. up last week about shiny hunting in this game and some of the bullshit going on with it unbelievable but yeah pokemon it is what it is yeah uh what else have you played stuff um so this is one that i know conrad's played oh have i played Oh, has he played that? I haven't written it down, but I did start playing it just before we uh, we recorded today. I I really hope to have my review up today, but I've been too sick to finish it. But regardless, Evil West, I was excited about it last week, but I hadn't got around to playing it. And my God, it's good. It's so good. It's beautiful. It's so fucking stupid. Beautiful trash. And I love it. it. It's just a big dumb shooter, very much in that Gungrave mold, very comparable to those sort of 360 era middle middle shelf shooters. And it, it's not trying to be anything more than that. And it's really good at it. Yep. Mm. You know, whether they're good or bad, Focus Home Interactive games are always interesting. But even in the sort of, on the Focus Home Interactive published spectrum, this is Damn good quality. Yeah. There is jank. You know, it's no, got sure. it, it's janky enough, but yeah. it's it's on the high polished end of jank. I, yes, I was legitimately surprised by how few weird things I encountered. You know, a, a, the occasional physics thing, I did get stuck in the floor once during a combat encounter, and that yeah. was pretty weird. But but on the whole, certainly much smoother an experience than I expect from a focus home game. Yeah, it's just you. <laughs> it's just delicious. That's the best way to describe it. You are a cowboy man with a big metal glove, and you just punch monsters in the fucking face with it. You really do. And it's one of those games where, like, they they went all out in making the the melee combat feel meaty and heavy. Like, it really does feel like you're punching something with a big metal glove. To the detriment of the ranged combat. Oh, yeah. Like, this game isn't really... The, 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 the gun stuff is secondary. Yeah. Which is funny because you have so much more variety, I think, in gun options that you could just pull out and use. But I, I almost never use any of them. I was watching you play it on your stream, Steph. And I was like, oh, yeah, I guess I could just pull out the flamethrower at some point. Yeah, I 
I tend to very I use everything just because everything's kind of fun to use. It is, um, and and the way the interesting way they've um, done ammo in that they haven't. Yes, is is really good at encouraging that. I really like that. There, there are no ammo pickups. It's all cooldowns. There is reloading, but it's not needed reloading is sort of just an instant um removal of cooldown if you sit through that animation because everything is passively reloading the moment you stop using it a quality of life in general is a thing that i was repeatedly surprised to find considerations for in this game one of the ones that really struck me relates to uh, the cooldowns, because I am one of those people who forgets what button does what. Yeah. I do it all the fucking time. And then I accidentally hit something that I intend to just do some common action, but I press the button for my five minute cooldown or whatever it is. I'm like, oh, fuck. Now I can't use that for five fucking minutes. If you're not in combat in Evil West, your cooldowns don't matter. Yeah. And so it just doesn't use them. It's fucking great. Yeah. It's such a small thing, but makes a world of difference in my life. And just the way the controls are laid out in general, like the fact that you, if you if you don't aim and fire, he'll shoot the revolvers. If you aim and fire, it'll be your revo- uh, your rifle or your crossbow. Mm-hmm. It's really easy and quick to just throw up the um, heavier hitting stuff that has longer cooldowns. There's a dedicated shotgun button. It did trip me up a bit, though, when it came to the flamethrower, the railgun, and uh, the rifle, because it's my reflex to aim. And so I would equip the flamethrower and then pull the trigger to aim the flamethrower, and that just switches you back to your rifle. I could see that needing to be, like, someone needing to get used to that. But, But I do think that this is the better system, and I am wrong. I understand that. I think I've probably tripped up doing that a few times, but I think it's worth the trip ups for the overall convenience of it. Absolutely. No, this it is the better approach. It's my dumb education that has, you know. Like being able to instantly take the, the flamethrower or the railgun or whatever out of your hands by just squeezing aim and suddenly the, the crossbow's back in your hands. Like it's really just quick. This game is terrified of not letting you kill things. Mm-hmm. That's... I love that. The game is so focused on making sure that you can always hurt something. And I'm I'm very impressed by that. Yeah, the combat is very fast, very um very gloopy. There's gloopy blood everywhere. Mm-hmm. The monster designs are wonderfully overwrought. Yeah, they're <laughs> just so gross to the point of funny. Like it's it's I can't emphasize how stupid this game is and how much stupid is a compliment. Leeches everywhere. Oh, leeches all over the place. This game loves them. A- another thing it has a fair few of, uh, there is an arachnophobia warning and setting yes. in this game. Now, I should point out that if you're going to have an arachnophobia mode mm-hmm. and an arachnophobia indicator to inform people of that, you should not have that indicator trigger immediately after you have placed the player in a place filled with spiders. Yeah. <laughs> the timing, not great. <laughs> it reminds me of that one trailer for Grounded, uh, that, that, uh, uh, that that open world exploration game where you were very small, where they had a trailer advertising the fact it had an arachnophobia mode. The trailer also included footage of giant spiders. 
Yeah, I mean, that, that, I'm not saying is better. It's a similar category. It's a different problem, because at least they were advertising, they were advertising the arachnophobia mode, and so there was a way for you to know that this was about arachnophobia before you you know, clicked play or like, there. it's not perfect. Oh no, no, this was just a general all-purpose trailer. They showed you a spider oh, and then told you God. you could get rid of the spiders. Damn it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right, it's that thing. It's showing you the spiders and then going, hey, hey, we could have got rid of them for you. Well, and, and this is the other thing about it. In Evil West, you will never see a more spidery spider than you spider that spider there. That first one that you see, that's the spider. It's the only spider. There are no more spiders. It's these. There's so many. There's a lot of them. There's so many, though. And it looks like... It's amazing how it looks, because there are levels where, like, the floor is spiders. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just carpeted. And the same with leeches. Uh The floor is leeches. And you look at individually, the models aren't all that. But when you see them all together, like, it is impressively gross like just the way they got them to move and the sheer volume of them on screen yeah yeah like really impressed with that visually overall i'm very impressed i like the designs i love the Mm, color yes i it has some lighting problems it's not going to be for everyone like the sheer volume of the the sheer amount of saturation yes that's not going to be to everyone's taste that's what that's my big issue is in in a couple of sequences where you have a lot of flames going on or, you know, anything where there's like a bright light source, everything gets washed out. Yeah. See, and I love it. Like, I just, I love how bold that is and how garish it is. I wish it were more garish is the thing. Like, if it weren't just orange, right? It takes me back a bit to, in a bad way, to the 360, where... The color schemes, like, at least this color scheme isn't quite brown, but it's still close enough that I'm just like, eh. At times, I would say. But it's only at these times when it's being washed out. It's not, you know, yeah. persistent throughout the game. This is the only game I think I've ever played that managed to make brown look gaudy. Yeah. And that's that's worthy of applause. Even the brown looks somehow garish in this game, and I'm kind of impressed by that. Um, but yeah, some some environments definitely sort of go for one or two colours, and it can look a little washed out. I like it, uh, but I also like it in conjunction with the fact that no one level really looks like another. That's true. For the most part. it's For, for a game set in the Wild West, there's very little, like, gulches and cowboy towns. Mm-hmm. There's some... And even they look like like very colourful. Um, not colourful in amount and variety of colour, just in the sheer brightness and um, saturation of the colours they do use. It's a it's a game that that so often this this genre ignores the biodiversity of the American Southwest. Yeah. Right. And and the ecological diversity. And this is an environment where you can have dry gulches. You can have, you know, your minds and all of those things that we see. But you can also take people into the mountains and into snow. And they do it. And it's fucking great. Yeah. The the variety is so wonderful. Yeah. Variety across the board is wonderful in this. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, like like in terms of uh, where you go, what you do, you've got these blazing oil fields, these creepy caves, these sort of 
green swamps or these lagoons with this really sort of over-the-top reflecting effect on the walls that is, like, so unrealistic, but I love that it's there. Um, I love when harsh green and red lightning happens. Reminds me very much of schlocky horror movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... It's not perfect. Oh, God, no. No. Uh, some of the fights really are not balanced, where it's like... <sighs> There, no one enemy is too difficult, but the way some of them complement each other yep. when they're in the same combat encounter. Yeah. There have been times where I'm like, I don't think they engineered a way for me to safely attack. Because every time one enemy leaves me with an opening, another three are doing something towards me. Towards the very end is one of the worst examples of that, where there's like... You see early on a big sort of leech-headed monster with a shield, and they're annoying at the best of times, but there's four of them at once, and it's just... It's one of a few encounters where I don't know how I got through it in the end. I just don't know how I did it. Difficulty progression on the whole is... Mm, I, I get what they're going for. This is a game that gets easier the further in you get. Oh, absolutely. You know, and, and the goal of that is to make you feel more powerful, but they do that by never making the enemies any more powerful than they are at the start. And you very quickly have encounters in this game that you're like, oh shit, that was a brutal boss fight. And then in about 45 minutes, you're going to discover that wasn't a boss fight, these are just enemies. Yes. Yeah, there's only four proper boss fights in the whole game. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that's I had forgotten about the uh, first one. Oh, God, it's so bad. That one sucks a lot. The first two, I fucking hate. The first two are bad. I think the second one is worse than the first. Yeah. But just because it is more difficult, the first one's just boring because it runs on too long. Yeah. Um, and if something goes wrong, it is very, very long to have to do it again. The second boss is at least, um, it's exhausting in the sense of, God damn it, I just got my ass kicked again, but at least I got my ass kicked. It wasn't that I was just, you know, running around and made some stupid error. Yeah. Yeah. The bosses I'm 50-50 on. I think the last two are really good. Well, I think that you can tell when a boss has been designed as a, a challenging fight. Because uh -huh. sometimes they are easier than the ones that were just thrown together. Yeah. Because they didn't think about balancing in those cases. And the first two, you know, just fill the screen with different attacks happening at once and then throw in minions to like, <sighs> jump up the difficulty. The last two bosses, it's you versus something else. Yep. With a, you know, very clear pattern of attacks. And they're still challenging, but they're like so much more sensible yes um than the others and so yeah there are moments in the game where i'm like it's overwhelming and not in a good way it's it's yeah. overwhelming in a way where i i don't think they cared that there's no balance here yeah i get that sense too but it's not like everything is impossible like i got through i'm on new game plus now and, and loving it just as much yeah, I, I'm 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 also in new game plus and i'm about halfway through the game again and it's it's really fun um now that i have everything unlocked to go through those sequences yes it was worth the harder bits 
to get to a point where you've got like an electric lasso that you can use to like drag three enemies at once towards you, punch one up in the air, then punch it into other enemies to make it explode. Like once you're at that point, it's so much worth it. I hadn't gone that route uh, with it. I hadn't picked up the exploding, um, you know, uh, uppercut punch until um, after I'd started New Game Plus and I'd seen you use it. Mm. And I was like, oh, that does look like fun. I entirely optimized for the um, the big energy charge with the punching. Right. Because of the sh just the sheer amount of damage that it does. Mm -hmm. So I'm doing the lasso, taking out one, maybe if I'm quick, two of the enemies that come in the three, getting charges from them. And then by the time I've done that twice, I have enough to do the big hit and wreck a boss. Or, or wreck a, a large enemy and the larger enemies it's one or two of those and you're done um it's it's so fast and you feel pretty awesome doing it yeah i love the mobility around the battlefield that's afforded by those electric moves mm -hmm. either bringing the enemies to you or going to them i like the way it is chained in with finishing moves to where if you see that enemy that's you know out of reach and you see oh shit i left them there and they're almost dead you can just dash over and you don't have to do anything but get into the dash and it'll take care of the execution for you so there's no panicking about it everything in the combat mechanics feel like they were intended to be chained together and used in conjunction but without any sort of like actual combo meter which is a, an interesting choice in a game like this where i it, it's not devil may cry but i could definitely see a combo meter ticking up in the corner to propel you to figure out how to chain attacks more effectively mm. i'm kind of glad it's not there i almost feel like it would cheapen the experience yeah i don't like that kind of stuff but it's the sort of thing that i i would almost expect uh, to be a part of a, a game with combat like this. Uh, getting back to the enemy diversity, um, mm -hmm. I fucking love, hate the dudes with the cages on their heads that just drop the little pods in a line at you wherever you are. Oh, God. Yeah, the, the little explodey balls that bounce at you. Because it is so easy to not observe the presence of these enemies. Mm -hmm. And the hits are so small that you might not notice them immediately to your health bar. And, I mean, you know, every game varies in their uh, ability at conveying when you are taking damage. Uh, this one might be on the lower end of communicating that information. Um, because there's just so much visual shit going on that having another indicator to parse that, it's, you might not even pick it up. So I don't know how you'd even fix it. But all of a sudden, you know, you could be wailing on a guy for a bit and then realize I'm dead because there were two of these enemies off in the periphery dropping these tiny little and the first one was hitting me a little bit. But the second one's group just arrived and now I'm fucked. Yeah. But at the same time, once you get that whip pull and you can just drag them out of position and beat the shit out of them and eliminate them real quick, they're fun. They're a fun challenge for me to be like, oh, there's one of those guys. All right, let me quickly deal with that. Um, the whip is just great generally. Um, the flying enemies suck. I like how once you get the whip, they become one-hit kills. Yes. So I don't ever have to 
deal with them again. And then, and if you get the perk that uh, provides you with an energy bonus anytime you do an execution involving your uh, electric attacks, yeah, that's instant power. So that's they're my favorite yeah. enemy now. I walk into <laughs> a room and I see them, and I'm like, "Oh, lunch is here!" <laughs> and oh, it's it's yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm at a point now where it's like. My biggest issue is is similar to you. It's not the guns, but the powers where I'm like, I just forget everything I can do. Right. Where I'm playing for hours and I'm like, oh, no, I can do that thing where I uppercut and then slam back down into the ground and insta-kill whatever's in front of me. Mm. I can just do that. Yeah, it's got a lot of really nice attack variety. I, I love the... I love, like, the upgrades and perks and that, it's very, very drip-fed to you. Mm-hmm. But they do lead to, like, the payoff is so good. Upgrading the weapons, like, every single weapon has some sort of electric upgrade as its sort of most expensive one that will be unlocked last. And they're all cool. Yeah. I also like that you don't have to unlock everything nope. to get the final upgrades. You just need the money and for the game to have progressed. So you can skip an upgrade if you don't care for it and go straight to something big. Like, I don't need my bombs to have a sticky capability. Mm -hmm. I do want my dynamite to create electrified tornadoes. So I went straight to that and I fucking love it. I also want it to split in three upon yes. explosion and send those little fucking tornadoes everywhere. Exactly. You don't care about the sticky, but the other two, well worth it. Yeah. Um, and I love that. Like, you know, the, the simple revolver, you can upgrade that to like have chain lightning, um, the shotgun, which again, I, I mentioned it earlier, but I love that there's just a dedicated shotgun button. Mm -hmm. You just press square and it's just a one shot high damage thing. And then there's a cooldown. It's great. But yeah, you can upgrade that so that there's three little energy balls that like float around and deal more damage. The railgun, if you upgrade that for the with the electric attachment, it just becomes a proton pack. Yep. Like it's just the Ghostbusters thing. It's fucking great. Yeah, so it's really good. The story is fucking nonsense, fucking stupid, but again, it's just perfect for this game. It's fine. Although uh, I did have a thought about the story. Look, I I sort of I I I know that the quote unquote villain of the game wants to, you know, do this this thing where they're, you know, able to just like turn people into horrible vampiric monstrosities uh all across the the country and uh and, and all of that. And and I get it, but in the level where you're finding all of the, you know, lore notes for them specifically yeah they do raise some really good points yeah you know uh they they, they, they i i'm just i'm wondering i'm wondering am am i the baddie <laughs> am i the one that's preventing a glorious communist vampiric future well fee pointed out the the elements because fee got really into it like just watching it mm. and and really wanted to read all of the the lore because there's a lot the game has like a massive bestiary um, and I love bestiaries anyway, so I happily read through them. I, I love how, like, the monster bios and things is written by someone who clearly cared a lot about trying to explain the science mm -hmm. and the logic behind everything, yet still somehow managed to explain nothing. Because so much of it is 
like written in universes could be this could be that we don't know <laughs> and then leaves nothing conclusive and nothing to explain the explanation where it's like okay you think it's these parasites or it, this blood like this blood were like interacts with this leech how and why and the game's just like no we don't fucking know we don't know just something something blood something something parasite something something failed experiment um i like it's so many words and it's so meaningless but really enjoyable to read um but yeah yeah felicity is um does a lot of stuff where i'm like what yeah you sound really reasonable about this about <laughs> especially since a big driving part in the plot at one point is the protagonist suddenly caring about trying to cure vampirism when it's his dad. Uh-huh. And and another character makes up a really like brings up really good points about the favoritism there, which the game is not interested in addressing at all. No. We'll just move past it. Um but yeah, like there are elements where um the the vampire is uh, the the main antagonist is talking about this sort of seizing the means and and dealing with the elite. But he's also a major hypocrite about it. Yeah. As well. a ton, tons of shit she says that's very much elitism and favoritism, which is sort of a shame. It is. Because I feel like that speaks to them just having generic villain dialogue TM. Yeah. When if they'd have kept it consistent, I think they could have had a really com- a, a, a compelling villain instead of one that's just very... There, you know, cartoony arch baddie, uh, which is fine. I just think that they were on the cusp of something really. They're on the cusp of something a little bit different. The dialogue cut in cutscenes in general is um, Harrow. Harrow's obsession with his dick <laughs> is just. <laughs> I I I really love it. I kind kind of really. I, it took me by surprise. The first time, because he says, you know, something along the lines, I've been left with my dick in my hand. And they animated the gesture. Not well. None of the animations in this are particularly great outside of combat. But, um, and the, the boy, the facial animations are... Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, I like walking into a room of NPCs and one of them starts talking to me and I can't tell which one it is because none of their faces move. Yeah. <laughs> it's a slight step up from Aliens Fireteam Elite in that at least the camera doesn't zoom in Fallout style to show me how badly they're not animating. It's it's not highlighting the problem. Yeah. But yeah, they're not they're not animating dialogue. They did at least go to the effort to stiffly turn Harrow's hand down in the general direction of his waist. A hand entirely too open. It looks like kung fu grip. And give two little strokes. Maybe that's just how he does it. <laughs> it's fun. It's a very fun game. A really good. Really good game. Yeah. Yeah. The kind of game that, like, you just need sometimes. I think you just need a game sometimes that is just really unassuming. It's not going to ask a lot of you in terms of having to think about it. It's linear. Yeah, linear. It's linear. The only issue I have with the linearity is that there are side paths. Yeah. With with resources like currency for gun upgrades and stuff that you really need because it it's so drip fed. But the game is really strict about how far you can backtrack. So there can be paths where it's like. There's one particular p- 
path in in um these mines where there are enemies on either down either path and it's very easy to think either one would be the correct path to carry on the story because there's not usually enemies down a side path and i chose wrong on my first playthrough because i went in one area saw a bunch of enemies thought this must be the right way to go i'll take the other path and get whatever treasure chest is at the end and i chose wrong and could not get back even though there was no physical realistic thing stopping me going back it just made the um the way back inaccessible arbitrarily and that gets on my wick sometimes see generally speaking in this i think it does a very a pretty good job i don't want to say very good job does a pretty good job of when it's super inconvenient for you to not you know be able to go back it will still allow you to go back in it you know in an explorable area but i really like that sort of push forward in these where it cuts you off from prior sections of the map i wouldn't mind if it if it didn't cut you off so harshly yeah i understand i like i I completely get the frustration of missing things and and i feel it as well but at the same time i get lost in environments so often and get so frustrated when i'm backtracking to see you know okay did i miss a path and then i can't remember what the way forward was that having those sections be pretty limited in size helps me a lot. But I I totally get the other complaint, and there are definitely some points at this where it does not do a good job of indicating what's going to be the side path and what isn't. In general, the level design, the way it communicates the way forward is... It's not subtle, but nothing in this game is. No. Just having, like, chains up on the wall that flash a a ridiculously bright white, just to be like, this is the way. This is the way you go. I'm not arguing with that. No. I'm happy with that. I, I love it. The only time it ever became an issue for me was when it was something that would be above my field of vision if I were looking straight forward. And so anytime I got a little lost, you know, I was spending too much time looking for something, I'd just start looking up. And there it'd be, plain as fucking day. So, yeah, I, I, I love that. You know, this goes back to the first time we started to see things being painted yellow in environments. Yeah. And it was like, oh, hey, that's really fucking useful. And this is taking it to the next logical step of, oh, why are we bothering to hide this in the environment at all if we're already trying to make it stand out? Just make it stand out. And I, for one, respect this choice. It's a very good one. I, I love the West. I've started playing it and I need to put more time into it. It sounds great and I've been enjoying what little I've played. Yeah. Good. Yeah. yeah. Uh... So yeah, uh, should we leave you to go have a rest, Steph, and we'll... I would appreciate that, yeah, I'm gonna have to... I would love to stay, but I'm doing a good job to not sound as horrible as I feel. Mm-hmm. Totally understand, you stayed longer than I thought you would, go get some rest, I, I'll I'll tell Comrade about all the shit I've been playing. Righto, take care, love you both, and thank you listeners for everything. Feel better. Bye. Bye. So, I'm gonna... Start, Conrad, by telling you about about uh, a thing you're gonna want to hear about. I played Gungrave VR this Hell week. Hell yeah! I can't wait to hear about Gungrave VR. 
I wish I could recommend it more than I do. Oh, I I suspected it was probably not great. <laughs> so here's the problem with Gungrave VR. It is exactly what you would expect a game like that to be. The problem is, is that there is zero accommodation made to the fact they're porting it to VR. <laughs> and the kind of, like, janky bullshit that you can get away with when you're not in VR becomes a much bigger problem in VR. Right. This, uh, I was gonna say this game is a third-person VR game. It's not always. <laughs> uh, it, it changes its perspective very frequently, so at times... It is a third-person shooter uh, where you move around by using, like, your analog sticks, but you don't aim using the analog sticks, or, as you would imagine with most VR uh, shooters, by moving your hands to point at the thing you want to aim and pulling the trigger. Oh, no, no. You aim by looking in your first-person eyes. Oh, I was afraid you were going to say that. Uh, you're controlling a third-person character, but using your first-person eyes to aim? So you're constantly just moving your head. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Like, I like shooters in VR. Sure. But I think what makes them really work is when you can be independently, like, pointing in the right general direction and firing without having to move your head, because in your peripheral you can see where you're meant to be, and spatial awareness. Uh, it's, I believe it's called hand-eye coordination. Yeah, I have very little <laughs> of it, but like I very much enjoy it in VR. Now you just have eye coordination. <laughs> so, it's that's the start. Uh, there is zero in the way of any kind of comfort settings for VR that would help to make this a less... Uh, motion sickness inducing experience. Mm. It's one of those where you are walking around using the analog stick. There is no option to sort of like hop around via teleportation to minimize some of that. You can at the very least flick the stick uh, to, to do turns in increments. Once you can find a position where you can just stand somewhere with like your back fairly close, like, you know, defended and just get shooting stuff, other than its weird control scheme, it's not. Bad? Mm -hmm. Uh, it's just... It's really disorienting when this game decides to change perspective entirely for what it thinks is a cool moment. Mm. So like, oh, you got a cool, you got a cool super where you're gonna use your, your gun grave to do some shooting. Suddenly you're in first person, suddenly you're back to third person. Very disorienting shifts. Mm. There are lots of levels that become things like, almost like light gun levels, where you're f put in first person in a set position, usually on, like, the back of a moving vehicle, and you just shoot at stuff that's coming at you. Except, usually it's just coming at you in a straight line. I very rarely did I ever have to even turn my head to aim. I was just like, oh, you keep coming into my crosshairs, I guess. Cool. There is a level in which I was on a flying vehicle, and I looked down, and I could see where the skybox all converged, where they'd taken a flat JPEG and tried to make it wrap into a circle. I could see the point where it was smushing together, Ooh. which was very confusing. My brain did not like that. Yeah, this is not how you design a VR game. This this does not follow any of the conventions that make a VR game feel intuitive to play or not motion sickness inducing. Also, when you're in first person, it's really confusing that your arms are way too far apart. Hmm. 
your arms, because obviously it's not motion tracking where it's going to place your arms, it seems like you have a torso that's like four feet wide. <laughs> your arms are like hilariously far apart and it's really disorienting. Oh my gosh. But like, I kind of had, I, I kind of had fun in spite of the fact it's bad and I won't go back to it. If a little bit of effort had been put into making it not motion sickness inducing and like doing some of the things you have to do when you're doing a game in VR... It's it's just Gungrave. Yeah. It's just more Gungrave. I just wish that I didn't feel so much like I was having to physically fight my instincts in order to play it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, like I say, I can't say I'm at all surprised. No. No. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, was Eva West the only thing you played this week? Um, I did play a little bit more Gungrave gore, um, but I, yeah. I don't have much to say because I didn't get much further mostly because i have hit a i've hit a sequence that may make me reach the point of saying fuck this game uh-huh at some point you are on top of a train mm. that is moving right and there are enemies on the train and it's actually it's a really cool idea like the level idea conceptually is fucking great because you're on this train you've got the enemies to deal with and there are signs that you have to avoid, you know, that come up on the left side or the right side or across the bottom of the train. So you have to, you know, left, right, jump while dealing with these enemies mm. and the enemies get hit by the signs. So you can actually ignore the enemies for the most part. <laughs> but for well, one problem is that it's, it's not consistent, mm. the the pattern, which wouldn't necessarily be a problem if. That meant that it was only inconsistent in terms of the order in which signs came and not the frequency with which signs came. But all of a sudden, every once in a while, you'll get one where there's just no way to avoid taking a hit by these oncoming signs. Because they are, spa you'll, you'll have two jump ones that are too close together and you can't make the distance. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's annoying. But the other bit is, at the end of this particular stretch, there is a tunnel. Right. And you have to reach the end of the train car that you are on and drop down between oh. them before you reach the tunnel. Mm. This is uh, bad enough because, again, now you're on a train and this is Gungrave, so you can fall off the side. Yeah. They didn't bother to put any sort of guardrail up to prevent you. So yeah, no, of course You so. can very easily, in your haste to make it past enemies, get hit by one and knocked off the edge. Get hit by a sign and knocked off the edge. Yeah. Uh, get hit by a sign and stumbled, which means you don't have enough time to make it to the end of the, the line to get down into the spot before the tunnel hits. And then when you do get to the end, there are four mines that pop up, and after a brief period, explode and will knock you down, causing you to have to go through a lengthy animation to stand back up. But the way you deal with them, and, and you can't dash back far enough to get out of range of them before they explode and do this, seemingly, or the timing on it is very difficult for me. Hmm. And so the way to deal with them seems to be to melee them so that they're destroyed, an action which is also quite slow. And because there are four of them, and any one of them 
going off will mean most likely that you are knocked down and won't get up in time to get off. I haven't done it. Yeah. And I'm I'm just like, this is this is something. I haven't tried going down to easy difficulty yet to see if that like changes the structure of it in some such way that makes it easier. Hmm. Because my concern about easier difficulty is that it will be more about making enemies take fewer hits, and that won't actually impact this design problem that they presented me with. But, um, yeah, it, uh, mm, uh, I, I, it's one of those things where I, I, I almost feel like there's something I'm missing or not understanding because it shouldn't be this way. <laughs> And yet it is. Yeah. I mean, it shouldn't be that way, but it is Gungrave. It is Gungrave. Yeah, so you just, you can't know. But when I'm, you know, killing things, it's still very fun. Yeah. I just, I'm not doing that anymore because now I'm running along the top of a train and hoping I don't fall off. Yeah. Yeah. But that's, that's been yeah. pretty much my week for, for games. Uh, I, I've played, I've played a few things. I had a surprisingly play heavy week mm. this week, so I will quickly rattle through some of the more interesting ones. I tried out a demo for a game I was really excited for and unfortunately pretty disappointed with the result, uh, called Roller Drama. The pitch for this is it is a roller derby game that is half visual novel and half management sim for during the matches. Uh, you do all sorts of, like, outside of uh, match conversations to build your team and sort of build up camaraderie and then sort of do the picking strategies and, and tactics to do a roller derby match. And that is exactly my jam. The execution all over the fucking shop and it's really disappointing. So mm. let's let's talk about the, the, the positives off, off the start. I really like that this this cast of characters has like a really good diverse set of body types and personalities. It feels fitting to the kind of thing that you want to see out of a roller derby game. The the half I have the bigger problem with is the the visual novel side of things. And I mainly have a problem with that because it makes some fucking wild choices right off the bat that feel completely unearned mm. and uh completely threw me off of having any emotional investment in these characters. So I'm I'm gonna explain to you like the the naught to a thousand miles an hour that this game took. We're going to be a manager of a roller derby team. We're going to move into a big house. Everyone's going to live in the house. Uh, we've got to get to know all of the members of the team before we have our sort of first team meeting. Anyway, there's a noose in the basement and one of the people on the team thinks the house is haunted. Then the landlord's cat finds its way into the house and it's implied that one of our team members just hangs the cat in the noose as an excuse to be able to taxidermy the cat. Uh... Then one of the other team members wants to have the taxidermied cat and she won't talk to me about roller derby team strategy until she's, until she, I go and steal the taxidermied cat from the other person's room. Ah. Uh... At this point, those two characters, the one who was hu supposed seemingly hung the cat, taxidermied someone else's cat, and the one who desperately wants this taxidermied cat, I know nothing about these characters other than their names. I didn't get a basic introduction to either of them before this happened. Wow. That's two-fifths of my roller derby team, is being very coy about it, but maybe murdered a cat, and taxidermied it, and it's not her cat, and 
I really want that taxidermied cat. That was the first two things I learned about this fucking team. Huh. The other three team members, I had very reasonable conversations with. If all five of them had been like that, I'd have... You know, it would have been kind of meh, but it wouldn't have scared me away. Right. Like, putting that fucking weirdness aside, it's disappointingly bare bones. It's like you go and talk to a team member and you'll be like, tell me about yourself. And they will just tell you their life story in three sentences, like completely out of nowhere, having built up no relationship. They're no like, oh, there's no like, oh, hi. Well, you know, I'm kind of shy. It's it, it immediately jumps to like, oh, yeah, I have daddy issues and I'm doing this to prove to my dad that I can do everything just as well as the boys can. Or uh, in the case of the one that taxidermied the cat, oh, I've got childhood trauma and mental health conditions. I'm like, okay, that's... <sighs> mm, yeah. Fucking tiring. Yeah. And, like, yeah, my, my excitement went from, like, this sounds like a concept perfect for me to what the fuck am I playing so fast... And it's really disappointing that that opening is so weirdly jarring, because, like, I'm going to hazard a guess. I don't think this was originally written in English. I think it was translated into another language. There is some awkwardness around the writing that feels like it is not the author's first language. Gotcha. So there's some of that going on. Uh, and there's a lot of, like, weird, just, like, functional issues such as when you finally are ready to call your first team meeting in the living room there is one elevator in this building and uh, everyone has to go to the living room to do the meeting and you have to sit and watch while all five people in the building one by one get in the elevator go down to the living room no one will share the elevator for like 30 seconds while they're all complaining about not being able to get in the elevator while it's going up and down getting one of them at a time things like that where i'm like this does not feel like it is ready this feels like if this was like a proof of concept tech demo, you could maybe get away with it, but right now it's like, oh yeah, no, you're sending this to press as your foot forward for trying to show what this game is, huh? Yeah, that's... Mm. Yeah. But, like, here's the thing. You get past all of that, and the game did start to pick up. Okay. I really enjoyed, for the most part, the mechanics of having your sort of, like, pre-game meeting in the living room with all the team members. Uh, it did get across... It did manage to capture some of that sort of camaraderie and group spirit uh, of a roller derby team even if I was really frustrated because all the team members were like suggesting names that the, 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 the team should have so they were like five suggestions thrown out and I was like cool I like that one that that one said and then it comes time for me to pick only three of the options that were said were actually clickable for uh, available for me and not the one that I liked Oh, so I had to th th like just lots of weird little things like this but let's get to the roller derby bit of it. So this is a roller derby video game that, when it gets to playing roller derby, does follow the actual real world rules of roller derby for the most part. There's a couple of little liberties taken, and I will get to those in a minute. But it it is, it, you've got three three minute rounds. You're trying to get your point scoring player past, you know, doing laps, getting past the other team to score points every time you pass members of the other team. This feels less like a real-time roller derby game and more like, I imagine, something like Football Manager plays, mm -hmm. in that it is about, like, dictating the plays that your team should be taking part in and managing, uh, mainly managing, like, how much energy each member of your five-person team should be using at any given moment to not completely use up all their energy straight away, but to 
give it their all at key moments where, like, for example, they need to be blocking the other team's player from getting through, or I need to be catching up and scoring points. You basically have, like, a few things you can do in real time while you're playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can speed up. Uh, you're, you're primarily, like, in real time controlling the point scoring player, the jammer. You can get them to put some extra effort in and, and skate a bit faster. You can get them to do a jump, which will take up a lot of energy, but can get them past a uh, defending, uh, defending wall of players. You can uh, attempt to sort of do a charge uh, to break through a wall of players, or you can, like, defensively guard so that if so, uh, a member of the other team tries to knock you out the ring to force you to go back where you were knocked out, uh, you can sort of guard against that. Okay. That generally works pretty well as a, as a core of playing this. The other element of it is that you need to be pausing uh, midway through plays to uh, tell the rest of your team what they should be doing in terms of uh, what their play-by-play should be. The problem I have with this is that it requires me to stop the action that I'm having fun with and pause and go into a menu basically at least twice every single lap to issue very, very basic commands that should either be the default that my teammates are doing, like, I shouldn't have to be telling them to do the basic role of their job, or things that I wish I could do in real time, much like I can do those other functions in real time. Right. Like, the the, the main example of this is, other than the, the player who is the, the jammer, who's the point scorer, who's trying to, like, lap the other team, all of your other team's primary role is to be a blocker. They should be forming a wall to stop the other team's player getting past, and then making an opening in that wall just quick, just long enough for me to come through. Right. Every time I'm coming around to the, to the lap point, I have to pause the game, tell them to open a hole in the wall for me, Ooh. go through the hole in the wall for me, pause the game again, tell them to reform the wall behind me. Every single lap. That should be uh, a shoulder button. Yes, right? It, it should be something I can do in real time with a toggle. Even if it's just, uh, like, uh, the way I would probably do it is... Up on the D-pad. Uh, yeah, I the way I would do it is default to being a wall. That is your default state. Give me a button I can hold, and while I'm holding it, you, you keep an opening. That would be a good approach, yeah. Yeah, like, there are so many ways you could do this w- that would work, and it feels so baffling... Like, particularly that I have to manually pause and tell them to reform the wall. Like, that feels like a very weird choice to me. On top of that, like, for a game that is, for the most part, like a very faithful, grounded recreation of Roller Derby, I'm really frustrated by the fact that there's there's one of your starting abilities is just called Bomb, and there is no context for it. You set off an explosion that you have a limited number of to magically stun all members of the other team for a couple of seconds. Hmm. And it just does not feel at home in the set of mechanics. Yeah, that doesn't sound right. Yeah. But, like, here's the thing. I, I like the general flow of the, the, the roller derby bit of this itself. I had fun with it. Mm-hmm. I like that there is a system for giving a pep talk once per per match, uh, either after the first or after the second round. The mechanics around what things you have to say or not say in order to get buffs or debuffs is confusing. The way that it's set up made sense, and I thought I was picking, like, three different, like, tangible impacts I was going to be making. Pep talks let you get, like, you've got three categories in a pep talk. 
you give the auto-playing pe- uh, players some direction on how they should be uh, managing themselves going forward, you talk about their performance so far, and you give a narrative aim for them to, like, you know, this is what you should be fighting for during this match. And that felt like I was making three separate choices. And then at the end, it was like, it seemed to go, you didn't you didn't go strongly enough on a th- single theme, so zero buffs. Like, at the very least, I expected to get some amount of energy for my players back, because I stopped and, you know, gave them a break and gave them a pep talk. That would be some time to catch their breath. That system's a little confusing, and, like, if, the, if it could work, I like that it's there. Yeah. I like that the game does give advice on what you maybe should be doing more or less of as a coach and sort of going, hey, you're not making as much uh, use of this mechanic as you could be, things like that. I like that there is uh, a degree of uh, commentary between uh, between jams. I wish I liked this game more than I do. It really has not put a good first foot forward, and it's a real shame because I've been looking for a good roller derby game for so long, and this sounded like exactly the kind of mesh of things that would be for me yeah and i just look there's a lot of things i could get past and a lot of things i could hope will improve before launch but that narrative that opening narrative section really took the wind out of my sails and made me a lot less uh readily willing to 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 overlook the problems with other bits of it yeah that's uh it's a lot to launch right into. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. Like, like a little bit of a little bit of build, maybe. Uh, yeah, can 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 we build up to hey hey maybe I murdered a cat and have taxidermied it. It's mine now. Well, and and frankly, that's the sort of thing that you know I I want a gradual reveal on, right? Yeah, because you have such an opportunity to like build tension and and question yeah. uh the motives of that character if you yeah 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 it's it it felt like it was it was trying it, it it's like if we don't give you something shocking instantly you won't be intrigued and i'm like no give me a slow slice of life build getting to know these people like getting to know my teammates uh so yeah uh i played that uh the the rest of the stuff here i can get through uh, fairly quickly uh, I played some What the Bat. Okay. Uh, have Have you ever played What the Golf? I think so. So yeah, the, What the Golf was like a puzzle game where all of your levels were little mini games about golf, repurposed in silly different ways. The game never stuck with any one mechanic for too long, but it definitely stuck around long enough to iterate on ideas and play around. And it's like, okay, cool, we've exhausted everything we can think of with this mechanic onward we move okay i've seen this but i haven't played it yeah yeah uh what the golf uh, is a really fun game uh i i highly recommend it if you want just like maybe three or four hours at most of uh not too taxing but very creative puzzle solving that whenever it comes up with a new gimmick or new mechanic it'll d- maybe do five or six things with it and like iterate on it until it's like cool we're out of fresh things to do with that here's something new it is a game that like constantly impressed me with how many Id- ideas it had for its very basic mechanic hmm. what the bat is basically that game in vr but with baseball bats okay the conceit is you are a young girl with baseball bats for hands. <laughs> you were born with baseball bat hands, uh, and it it is a bunch of mini games that follow you going through your life, 
from being an infant up to adulthood, navigating life with baseball bat hands. That's so delightful. Yeah. So like the the very like once you get through the opening, like the very first world you go to is you're in preschool trying to put uh, shapes into similarly shaped holes, but you've got bats for hands. It's quite hard to hold things. Uh, eventually, you're like you know, looking at, you've grown up a little bit and you're in a mirror and you're trying to brush your teeth by squirting toothpaste onto the bat and then brushing the, the bat against your teeth. It's lots and lots of, like, silly creative uses for how many things can we do by getting you to hit things with your hands and to use your hands as blunt instruments that can't grip things. Honestly, I'm really, really enjoying it. Um, As someone that, like, very much enjoyed What the Golf. I think that this does a better job of contextualizing an amusing narrative around its minigame conceit while being just as creative uh, with its puzzles. Huh. As someone that really liked What the Golf, this is more What the Golf with a new set of mechanics and a silly story I'm getting quite emotionally invested in. I'm very invested in the life of this young girl, tragically born with baseball bat hands. It sounds charming. Yeah, I, I think you'd enjoy What the Golf. If you've not played What the Golf, I, I think you'd enjoy it. I'll have to check it out. But yeah, other than that, I played, I, I've been playing a few VR things this week, so I was like, if I'm gonna get the VR out, I might as well. You might as well, yeah. I played some Among Us VR. Oh. Yeah, that's, that's a thing that exists. So it is it is literally just Among Us, but in VR. Think of the original first basic map from Among Us. They recreated that in VR. There's new puzzles and things to do that are better suited for being in VR. Lots of poking buttons physically or pumping things by pushing a handle, stuff like that. You control it by running around using the analog stick, which would usually be a bit of a motion sickness factory for me. Mm-hmm. I was surprised at how quickly I adjusted. Okay. I played this for like over an hour without getting motion sick. At one point I thought I was getting motion sick and then I realized, no, I'm just not breathing properly. I'm the imposter and I'm holding <laughs> my breath too much. Oh no. As soon as I started breathing again, it was fine. <laughs> the main thing about this is that with Among Us, the main game, that is available on phones, on computers, it doesn't require a lot of investment. It's very easy to get a group of people you know in real life together right. who have the technology to play it. But... In VR, who knows a group of ten people who all own VR headsets you can wrangle to play Among Us VR together? I don't know ten people. Yeah, you are realistically going to have to play this in random matchmaking lobbies online with other people in voice chat. And I had fun <laughs> with this game when I went into the right lobbies. Uh, yeah, I bet. Generally speaking, I found it really enjoyable. Like, it, they've done a really good job of making the mechanics work in, three, in 3D. I think that there is a good amount of uh, effort put into being able to see who is talking at any given time because like their name will like their color and name will flash up while they're speaking so you can identify that there is proximity based voice chat so you can hear other people as long as they're within a certain distance and that does add a fun dynamic that can you can make that work in original among us apparently as well but uh if someone is down the corridor talking and then suddenly stops talking you're like oh 
somewhere over there someone's just died, I think. Oh. <laughs> yeah. More than once I had to quit out of lobbies because I joined a lobby, and, like, there's just a lot of people, like, completely not engaging with the game. Like, I wouldn't even... Like, I would mind, but I, I wouldn't be so bothered if people were playing the game but being shitty people. Like, the thing that really frustrated me was the number of times I'd get people who were just there to, like, not engage with the mechanics and to actively fuck with the mechanics so no one is capable of making reasonable assessments <sighs> as part of the game. You have you have people who will not be the imposter, who will just follow you around going, hey, hey, I'm the imposter, I've got like 14 seconds left until my countdown goes, and when, I, when it does, I'm going to kill you, I'm going to kill you when it goes, and then we'll run over and hit the emergency uh, meeting button and go, uh, that player uh, just said they were going to kill me. And I'm like, no, you spent like three minutes stalking me around, not killing me, but telling me you were going to kill me. I said nothing of the such. And they're not even the imposter. They're just there to not make it uh, possible to engage with the mechanic. And that is a remarkably common experience. In this. Wow. Like, over the course of an hour, like three or four times, I had to leave different lobbies because someone would join and start doing that playbook. That is a kind of remarkable metagame. Yeah. Right? Because they are making themselves an imposter. They are causing every other player to lose. Yeah. Which is the goal of the imposter, but they are doing it in a non-sanctioned fashion. That's so interesting. Yeah, it, it's it's interesting from an outside perspective to discuss. Oh yeah, I'm never going to play this game, so I could enjoy it. Yeah, no, it is not fun to play. I'd imagine. Because like, I had a, like, of those like four times I had to quit out of lobbies, two of them I had the experience where a group of clearly three or four people who know each other made a lobby and opened uh -huh. it up to random people. And what they would do is every time someone new joined, they would wait like 30 seconds, hit the emergency uh, meeting button and pick a random person and go, they're the killer, they're the killer, they're the killer. And they're not the killer. <laughs> and then they'd like, as soon as they could do it again, hit the emergency service button. That They're the killer, they're the killer. Just because they're trying to fuck with people. There's a part of me that really respects taking a game or taking anything and making a new game out of it, which is effectively what these people are doing. However, that only works if everybody who is playing the game knows the rules. Yep. So that doesn't make this, it's this is a game for four people to play against an unwitting opponent, not yeah. a playing field. Yeah, it's, it's, it's also not, I wouldn't mind this so much if this was a meta that developed in the original Among Us. Sure. Because it is so much easier to opt out of that. And when so few people have VR that you are forced to engage with that online matchmaking, and there are no tools for reporting that someone is, like, just fucking with the game to fuck with people, there's no way to go, that maybe put that player in a, in a matchmaking pool of their own, because... Yeah... Yeah, it's it's frustrating, which is a shame because like it is a well-made version of of Among Us that I really do think benefits from being in VR. It is the the times where I had good games of it. It was genuinely fun. Uh, and lastly, I'm not going to say much about it. I played more Pokemon, and the main the main update there is I have gotten real deep in on the shiny hunting post game. Even though I'm like really pissed off about the not having the sparkling sound when shiny Pokemon spawn in. 
I've gotten real into the loop of these sandwich recipes will give you boosted shiny odds. These raids will get you those those ingredients you need for your, your sandwiches. Doing a bunch of train up highly competitive Pokemon ready for the competitive like ranked uh, online play that are helping me beat raids more easily, that are helping me get more sandwich ingredients so I can just go surgically shiny hunting around the land. I'm real deep in on that. That that gameplay loop has got me good. It is a game with a whole lot of problems, but I'm having fun still. Alright, should we do a couple of, a couple of newsy bits and then wrap up? Yeah, let's do that. Uh, what have we got? Oh, there was there was another trailer for the Mario Super Mario movie. I'm watching it as we speak because it occurred to me that I hadn't gotten around to doing it. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll I'll say the two important things. Uh, here's the two things that everyone needs to know. Uh, we got confirmation that Mario and Luigi are just from the real world. It's it's one of those. Oh, they got oh they went down a drain pipe. Now they're in the video game. Well, but that's that's the original story, so I don't have a problem with that. Yeah, yeah. I I'm not saying I have a problem with it. Uh, what I what I will say I have a problem with is we know where in the real world they're from. They're from fucking Brooklyn. Hell yeah. They're from fucking Brooklyn, which is great. But I'm like. Okay, you nailed down where they're from. Chris Pratt, where's your Brooklyn accent? Fuck off. Well, and, 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 you know, setting aside Chris Pratt's lack of, uh, I saw a still <laughs> of their, um, plumbing service van that refers to yes, them as yeah. Super Mario Brothers Plumbing. Okay, you know, I don't want to be a pedantic fuck about a goddamn <laughs> yeah. Mario Brothers movie, but they are <laughs> Mario Brothers Plumbing. He is Super Mario when he eats the Super Mushroom and gets big. That is Super Mario. Otherwise, he's just Mario Mario. Yeah. So the the other things we learned, uh, Princess Peach, they're going real hard in on the 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 girl boss princess. Like ah oh, ah, oh, she, she's she's being a monarch, but like one that can hold a spear and stuff. Oh yeah, I see her in the jumpsuit with the the halberd there. Yeah. They're really trying to go, we're not having her be a damsel in distress, please don't complain about her being a damsel in distress. Uh, and the last thing, which I, you've got to be right around the point in the trailer to see, th this movie is going to be full of, of, of let's, let's make Mario be in a video game for a bit. Uh. There is a training obstacle course that Princess Peach has him do that is, oh, here's a platforming level with all the platforming things from a Mario game. Uh, like the the blocks that fall when you step on them, yeah. and the spinning thing, and the like. So we've got the platforming stage. We also have a Mario Kart. Yep, seeing that, seeing that now. Yeah, there's the Rainbow Road. Yeah, we're we're getting the bits now where it's like they cannot help but put video game like. Okay, it has so they they had they they insisted on making sure that they got all of this reference right. But their fucking plumbing company is Super Mario. I'm infuriated by this. I, you know what? I do want to be a pedantic fuck about it. How <laughs> dare they? Uh, uh, yeah. Um, so that's that. I mean, you know, it, it, it looks fine. It looks fine. Yeah. I'm sure I will watch it and, and laugh even. Chuckle. It continues to be a thing where I watch trailers for this and go... This film seems to have like a pretty good snappy pace and I will probably have a not bad time watching it. This is clearly not designed for me, but it really is probably going to like it it's certainly not going to be a thing where this film releases and Nintendo is scared of making movies for another 30 years. I mean, it's it seems like the sort of thing that is only going to 
be unappealing to assholes like me who want to nitpick all of the little things that they didn't get right because I have some ridiculous investment of 30 years into a franchise. My whole aim with this is if I can watch it and go, that wasn't bad, and Nintendo looks at the response to it and goes, cool, we're not scared of the critical reception and we'll make films again in future. Cool. I don't even care about that last bit. Yeah. Honestly. I mean... It's it's mainly for me a case of it's been very clear that Nintendo has wanted to do movie stuff with its properties for a while and keeps fucking up, keeps backing out out of fear. <sighs> yeah, like did did you know that like they greenlit and started working on uh two different live action series like about seven or eight years ago I think it was uh there was a live action Zelda series that was in development. Uh, alongside a puppet-based Star Fox show yes. that was being written by College Humor, of all people. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember. Well, I, they had um, a whole... one of one, An E3 presentation yeah. one year, uh, they were setting up that they used the puppets, and yeah. Yeah, no, like, the, yeah, I think it was Adam Conover that used to be at, um, at College Humor talked about the fact that, yeah, that was, like, in production and being worked on, and Nintendo cowered it out of it, yeah. in large part because they got cold feet because of the Bob Hoskins movie uh, reception back in the day. And they're like, oh, do we do it? Uh. Which I, I will defend Super Mario Brothers the movie till my dying breath. There's two ways you go with this sort of thing. You either be as ridiculously faithful as possible, or you go in such a wildly divergent direction that you are portraying concepts, but not, you know, like you've got recognizable touchstones, but that's it. And, 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 and it's not just because I would, you know, obsessively crow for anything Jankel and Morton did in the late 80s, early 90s. Um, obviously, I'm going to do that regardless. It's a fun, weird, interesting movie. And and I get why people hated it, and it makes sense, and I'm not mad, but it's a good movie. Look, I agree with you, but I also think that that was not the right direction for that moment in time for Nintendo to have any kind of... Uh, lasting foothold in yeah let's make more films but the fact of the matter is is they'd made something straight laced like this i nobody would have ever made the weird super mario brothers movie no no i agree yeah that never would have transpired anywhere it would we would never have a weird nintendo property movie so yeah yeah I'm glad we have the weird one, and now we're going to have a, a, a probably a decade of very safe ones. Yep, and... Uh, fine. Yeah. Fine! Yeah. Uh, so yeah, other, other news story bits we've got. Hey, you know how a bunch of countries have started regulating loot boxes because they're gambling? They and are. And they're being pushed on kids, and we shouldn't push gambling on kids? Mm-hmm. We got another country to add to that list. Uh, Australia. That's great news. Yeah. Good market. Yeah. Uh, an Australian member of parliament has proposed a loot box regulation bill, uh, and I'm going to read a quote from that 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 member of parliament because it f it's, it's the whole fucking story. It gets it in one. Loot boxes give rise to many of the same emotions and experiences associated with poker machines and traditional gambling activities. 
Oh, that's it? Yes. You know, no waffling, no varication, no just straight up. This is inducing the same effects as gambling machines. Yes. Good on them. Yeah, this is uh, Andrew. Andrew Wilkie uh, is the, the MP who's brought it forward. Basically, the, the, the classification amendment loot boxes bill uh, basically wants uh, any game with loot boxes to be given an, uh, an R18 plus rating and a new advisory classification to highlight their presence and dangers. Basically, any game with loot boxes would have to be 18 plus and would have to say this has mechanics in it that are essentially gambling. Okay. Uh, so that's a thing. That's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's currently gone to a second reading to be debated by other MPs, so it's moving forward and could put Australia as another country on that list. That's great to hear. Yeah, we we got more updates on the, the Activision Blizzard acquisition story over at Microsoft. EU regulators have been very dubious of Microsoft's claims that they're not going to become a monopoly by purchasing ABK, and... Uh, according to uh, reports that have been uh, doing the rounds, it seems like Microsoft is ready to make some concessions, and the big one being shopped around that apparently is very likely to, to get offered now is Microsoft formalizing an agreement to have Call of Duty stay on PlayStation for at least the next 10 years. That seems to be Microsoft's big push to try and appease EU regulators is to say, for at least the next decade, PlayStation will still have Call of Duty, so if they feel that losing that from their console will be a problem, they have a decade to come up with a competing product. Um, and it's... Uh, they're they're gonna probably have to make a move soon, because... And I don't know if you saw this, um, but uh, about uh, last week, like, right, of course, you know, when we record, mm. um, or shortly thereafter... It's looking like the Federal Trade Commission in the U.S. is going to open up um, some kind of action. Yeah, I forgot to put this on the list because it happened so close after we recorded last time that I thought we'd covered it last week, but you're right. Yeah, so the Federal Trade Commission is um, looking to file an antitrust lawsuit, apparently. Yeah, it's, 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 you know, it's not a done deal at this point, but... They are definitely concerned about uh, that. Uh, e e uh, from what's in the political piece, uh, Google has stuck their fingers into it a little bit uh, in terms of uh, being against the deal. Also, they argue, they've argued that Microsoft's purposely degraded the quality of Game Pass when used with Chrome as an operating system. Yeah. Uh, which is... is uh, a, Something I hadn't uh, heard before, but interesting. Yeah, there's a reason that if you want to use browser-based uh, uh, Game Pass, you kind of have to do it with Edge. Mm. Doing so in Chrome is a is not a great experience. Oh, if I can also, since yeah. we're on the topic of browser, something that's stuck in my craw right now. For some reason, I think Twi Twitch is making some changes to what browsers it authorizes for use on their platform. And I can no longer use my browser. And I am pissed. Just had to get that off my chest. So if you use if you use Brave, sorry, can't log into Twitch now. Great. Now I get to go find some other poorly optimized program to use this one website instead of doing it in the poorly optimized program I look at all my other websites in. Alright, I'm done being mad. <laughs> but yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, last story we have on the topic list. I found a silly nonsense story so that we could end on something that wasn't infuriating. There's there's a there's a UK uh, startup that's trying to make a games console for dogs. Wait. They want they want they want to make a little touchscreen g- game console for dogs. For dogs. For dogs. For dogs. Make little make little games that they can play by 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 touching their paw or their nose on the screen. Uh huh. Like oh here's a little whack a mole. I, I, I hit the thing. It it, it 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 can dispense treats if they're doing well. They can play a video game and treats come out the side. Uh huh. Yeah. First off, this seems this seems more appropriate for cats. You, really, you think you think a cat would engage with a with a game console? Have you ever stuck a phone with a little animation? Okay, in front of a cat. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. A, a cat will play on on yeah. a device. No, you're yeah yeah. But uh, yeah, sure, fine. Yeah. Why not? Equality for our animal comrades. Yeah. I, I read through the reasoning of why this guy wanted to do this, and I'm like, yeah, no, it makes sense. He's just like, hey, when I'm when there's no one home and the dog's alone, I, I you know I can stick the radio on, but I want to give the dog something more interesting to do, and I love video games. Maybe my dog will like video games. My concern is that uh, you know, like a lot of Great Danes are very, very right wing, very exclusionary, and uh, I'm just <laughs> concerned about the community. Uh. <laughs> uh, uh. Is that it? Did we do it? Yeah, that's it. We did it. All right. Well, Laura. Yeah. I think people will want more content now that they have finished listening to this. And I think you produce a lot of content, if I'm not mistaken. Where would people find more content? Ah, uh, well, you'd find stuff at Laura K. Buzz on whatever hap- social media or platform you happen to be using. Laura K. Buzz on Twitter, Twitch. TikTok, YouTube, uh, Patreon, that's the one that pays the bills. Uh, you can find me on Mastodon at Laura K. Buzz at tech.lgbt. Uh, just find me at Laura K. Buzz and all the things. That's 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 it. Yeah. Uh, what about you, comrade? Where are you on the internet? I am still on Twitter at Conrad Zimmerman. Also on Instagram at Conrad Zimmerman. You can hang out with me live on Twitch at twitch.tv slash thatconradzimmerman. Buy anti-capitalist propaganda that I make at pinfultruth.com and audiobooks at conradreads.com. And everything I do online gets supported through Patreon at patreon.com slash fistshark. This is where I would tell you that James Stephanie Sterling also has a Patreon. That's patreon.com slash jimsterling. Um, I... I'm a bad friend, and I don't know all of their upcoming wrestling dates to uh, run those down for you. So just follow them and and uh, like and subscribe the podcast and go support the Patreon because that supports everything uh, that this show is and the Jimquisition proper. And uh, they would probably want to uh, say thank you for listening, and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye.